Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. It's the future belongs to creators. <laughs> yes, yes. Good is. afternoon, good evening, good morning. That might apply to a variety of listeners on the show. I'm Barrett. This is Nathan. It's the Future Belongs to Creators, episode 47. Today, uh, inspired by a conversation actually I had this morning with a friend named Austin Mann, who is a uh, really talented photographer, we're going to talk about how to meet your people in your dream network or dream creators you'd love to connect with. It's a topic that you and I have thought a lot about. We've spent a lot of time getting connected to people that we wanted to know. Uh, And I think we both find ourselves uh, at times back in that seat of, oh, I'm going to have to start from scratch here. And it's quite uncomfortable the further you get into your career uh, because you get comfortable, you know, you get used to knowing most of the people you want to know, and then you have to break out of that and you have to start all over. So I thought now would be a good time to talk about it. Uh, at least for me, I know I'm in that kind of beginner's mindset again. And so it's a good time to be able to share from that place. But first, Nathan, how are you doing? I'm definitely green today, though it's cold here today. Like it, it's cold. And so I was asking Hillary, like, do I just need to put on like a jacket or is it really cold in here? She's like, no, 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 it, it's actually cold in here. So yeah, you know, lots of things going on. The farm is uh, nice. I'm really enjoying having my office here. You know, you always have an idea for something before you create it, right? And then it's like, how's it going to come to life? And one thing is this giant window that I'm looking at. And my idea was that I would see my monitor right here. And then beyond it, I would see our whole lush green field with like the trees we've planted and everything. That field still has a long ways to go, but this little dream and idea is coming to life and it's just as good as I thought it would be. Um, Except that from about 8 a.m. to 10, I really need a blind on that window because (laughs) (laughs) currently I have a well-placed piece of cardboard, which doesn't quite meet the minimalist aesthetic that I'm going for in this tiny house. So little details to work out. How about you? Uh, I'm green. Yeah. I've had, uh, I have different kinds of mornings. Some mornings I wake up with the kid and bring him to bed and then we all go back to sleep. Some mornings I wake up with the kid and it's like, you know, I might as well just get up today. I just got up and by nine 30, I had already had a productive morning. Um, so that felt good. Yeah. I have a little, uh, centering prayer group, which is basically meditation with, um, with a mutual friend of ours that runs it every week. So I went to that this week and that was enjoyable. It's really hard for me to sit quietly for 20 minutes and just be with my thoughts. Whew. But that's the point. Um, yeah. And then had a great call with a friend that inspired this episode. So I'm green. It's been a good day so far. I also have a sweat, a sweater on. It is May 19th. I have a sweater on because you know, it's still like in that weird middle ground range of temperature where you wake up and it's like 49, 50, and it might get up to 60 during the day. Yeah. And, and it's raining. And you're like, I was, I was planning to barbecue tonight. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing. I have a smoker now. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we're not going to sit out and do that today. Oh, well. Tomorrow, maybe. Tomorrow, it'll rain. Well, <laughs> uh, we've been getting a little bit of feedback that we should get right into it. 
So we're going to do the, the opposite. Second time, no, this is the second time I've been on a podcast where people have said that to me. But the last time it wasn't my fault. This time I think it's actually my fault. Yeah, I think we'll see. All right, our topic. So we're talking about how to meet those people that you know you have on the list where you're like, oh man, I would love to be able to get advice from them, to do a project with them, uh, to call them my friend. I think that's something that I realize now is the list of people that I can think of and just like, oh yeah, we're friends. On that note, <laughs> Derek, our director of marketing, he pulled up this book that he's been really enjoying called The Personal MBA. And he was citing from it in uh, one of our team uh, team meetings. And the way he said like, oh, here's this book. Uh, it's called The Personal MBA. It's really good if you guys haven't heard of it. Like I thought he was trolling because it just had a little bit of that tone to it. Because Barry, you and I are both really good friends with Josh, have been for like eight years. We've been to his house, you know, uh, all kinds of things. And so I thought he was like joking of, you know, maybe you've heard of it um, since he knows that we know Josh really well. But I realized like, no, that's not the default. He's just like, this is a good book. Maybe you've heard of it. And so I realized how crazy it is that the number of times that we're like, oh yeah, I know him. Oh yep, yep, she's a great friend. You know, or any of those things. And it's because we've built these incredible networks. And uh, some of it is by accident. A lot of it is by the line of work that we've gotten into. And then the rest is all through deliberate effort. Mm-hmm. And so that's what mm-hmm. we want to talk about today is how you get in that position where when someone's like, here's this thing, this really incredible thing from this great creator that I came across, you're like, oh yeah, they are pretty awesome. I got to hang out yeah. with them last year or whatever. And so to set the context for kind of why this is top of mind, not only because it's been so influential in our lives, but also just for where we are in the business, um, there's two sides of this really, I think for us right now. One is we're really trying to gain some ground in some different areas of the creator ecosystem. So um, musicians, chefs, uh, photographers and videographers, filmmakers, athletes, like some of these spaces, we definitely have customers who are in those spaces, but we also want to continue to grow there to really round out the realm of creators that we serve at ConvertKit. We don't have a ton of connections there. You know, we're very much connected to like writers and authors and podcasters and, um, and a little bit of YouTube, but even there is a little bit more of a stretch because that wasn't our world personally as creators. So that's the first thing is we're continuing to grow the business in new spaces. The second thing is I've had this podcast idea I've had for a while. Not, not this, this is a podcast and I recognize that, but actually another podcast idea, which is, um, I I'm really, really interested in like society level problems, education system reform, political system reform, climate change, like sustainable agriculture, these big level systemic change type things. And I have a job, like this is my job. I'm really excited about this company. And so there's different ways I can go about that, right? One is we can serve people creating change in those areas, the, the thought leaders, the people leading the charge. And then another way is I could start a podcast and I could talk to those people and help expose those people's work to a broader audience of listeners and people who can think about it uh, or maybe even contribute in a way that makes meaningful progress. So I've had this idea, I've had it in a, a Google doc, I think for like 18 months now, I realized when I look back at when I created it and, um, I'm finally starting to like lay the groundwork, right? Well, a lot of the people working on these things are quite busy and they're occasionally have big names or well-known names. Uh, and I am not someone that they think about or even know exists in the world. Right. 
And so there's this really interesting starting over of building relationships in a new space that's just like getting started for the first time. The only difference is maybe you've done it before in another space. And so you have a little more confidence that you can do it again. So I want to get into what that process looks like, what we do when we start from scratch. And the first place I want to start is knowing who you want to connect with and why you want to connect with them. So if you go back, Nathan, and you think, all right, when I was getting started, I don't know, as a creator, who did you want to connect with and why? Like, what were you looking for in seeking those people out? Yeah. So I wanted to connect with people who really, I was reading their work and they were inspiring me. So I think about, you know, the very early days would be learning web design and those people that uh, were writing web standards, were writing all those blog posts. And, And so I wanted to be a part of that crew. And then as we fast forward further on, it'd be like Chris Gillibo, um, Ramit Sethi, Tim Ferriss, um, people like that, where I was like, every time they would post something, I would be like, oh, wow, that like changed my worldview or made me think about uh, things in a, new, in a new way. And so those are the people that I wanted to uh, start with. And I guess the way that I started with that first was just reading everything they wrote. Um, but I guess from there, it went into going to conferences showing up in person where they, uh, where they hung out. And that was where it all started for me. Yeah. It's been very similar for me. I think a lot of times I most want to connect with someone. We'll get into some reasons why you might want to connect with people that are very outcome driven, Mm -hmm. but when it's purest, it's because what they're putting into the world aligns with my worldview. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's really nice about the internet, but that's also really hard about access to everyone from anywhere is Sometimes the people who share your worldview or who push your thinking or reveal new mental models about how to approach the world, they're not nearby. And so you get all of this exposure to these people with similar ideas or people who espouse ideas or a way of thinking that you want to develop. They might be across the country or across the world. And so they seem accessible on the internet. And so part of meeting them is well, number one, I think a little part of us always wants to know is what you seem like actually what you're like. Yes. And then number two, if you are actually like what you seem like, might we actually be pretty close if we had the chance to meet? Like, could mm-hmm. we develop a friendship based on this shared philosophy of life or this shared way of looking at the world? And so a lot of it for me ends up being that. It's people who share my interests, they share a way of thinking. And I just want to find out if we had the chance to have a conversation could we end up being connected over a long period of time and have a meaningful relationship together? Yeah. I I think a lot of it is I want to be that kind of person. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. If we think about like those five people that, you know, you are who you surround yourself with, then it's like, well, um, I want to be like you. I want to put that kind of content out into the world. I want to be known on that level and I want to have that kind of impact. So this is a little bit selfish, but can we be friends? Right. (laughs) You know, can we spend time together? Because I might think I'm capable of creating on that level or, or um, I might think, Hey, if you get to know me, then you'd think that, yeah, we should, we should spend time together. So I just, you know, going back to the Hamilton episode from last week, it's like, I want to be in the room where it happens. I want to be with that group at the conference. I want to hang out with those people. I want to have my work respected, you know, all of those things. I even think about um, seeing like two different worlds collide. Um, one is Gretchen Rubin, who's this incredible author and a ConvertKit customer. And then on the other side uh, is our good friend, Caleb Logic. And Caleb and his wife, Jen, uh, published a podcast episode about working from home as a couple. They've, you know, 
for the last, I don't know, eight or 10 years worked together, uh, you know, physically and then on different businesses, but, you know, in the same place. And uh, it was just fun to see like Gretchen share a tweet of their podcast episodes, like these two different worlds crossing. And you realize, like, oh yeah, you know, Caleb is totally producing content on the same level that Gretchen is. And so it's like just being a part of those circles where you're like, no big deal. Just today, a New York Times bestselling author with uh, like millions of people following her just shared my work. Of course, it's Tuesday. What would you expect anything else to happen? Another fun fact <laughs> is that Caleb worked with our friend Daryl to film a course that Gretchen yep. released. And I had a uh, dinner with Caleb right after he got done. He was super inspired by that. So it's fun seeing that kind of thing. One thing this brings to mind for me is sometimes when people are at a level that you're not at yet, Number one, that's the reason you want to know them. And number two, that's the reason they don't want to meet you. And so sometimes I think you have to, not sometimes, you always have to acknowledge what's true about the dynamic between you and someone you want to meet. Unfortunately, society is structured around status. There are status signals. You know, that's why we say New York Times bestselling author, or it's why blue, a blue check mark on Twitter matters or whatever. I still haven't been able to get that, by the way. I've been trying for a long time. I, I just, I you know, remember. I think I tried once and I realized I'm not important <laughs> enough for this. So I'm just going to quit trying. See, I um, still am delusional enough to think I am important enough for it. And Twitter's like, yeah, no. So it's, it's the little ego check that uh, I don't have. <laughs> right. But the point being, sometimes people don't need new friends. And trying to be someone's friend as, as the outcome might not be mm -hmm. the right approach. And so today I really want to talk uh, a little bit more even about when you have a specific outcome in mind for meeting someone. Uh, and there are a lot of different outcomes that you can think about, but it's all about what's in it for you and the relationship. And so yes, friendship might be one of them and that's a, a true and honest thing, but I don't think you're going to get friendship by trying to get friendship if that's if that makes sense. Um, but things you can get that are more reasonable asks in the short term are you could connect briefly on a call. Not a lot of people love doing that. I'll throw that out right up front unless there's a specific reason. You could have them on your podcast and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I think a podcast, one of the most valuable aspects of running one, especially if you get enough listeners for people to pay attention, is it's an incredible networking tool that can lead to friendship if you play your cards right. Um, another one might be forming a mastermind group. Uh, that's great for peer level people, especially you can go back and listen to that episode if you want. Maybe you're looking for a business partner, or maybe you're trying to sell something to someone. And that's why you want to know other people that might be big names. Um, I don't know if any other ideas come to mind there, Nathan, for things that might be in it for us. I think that that's the biggest thing. And, and, um, just getting clear on why, why you want that. And then as you start transition of like, okay, what's in it for them? Yeah. And this is another place where um, being really clear can help. Because if you're coming in and saying, this is what I can do for you, and it's something tangible and useful, that's fantastic. But if it's like a bit of a stretch, just own the fact that like, look, I can't do anything for you. And I'm just asking for a favor. And that would be appreciated. Yeah. You know? And you know, and like, if we take this to the kind of like, uh, I don't know, base level DNA that we run on, the mammalian interaction of like submitting of, look, you are superior to me. Um, I was listening to a podcast about wolves in, uh, in Yellowstone park today. Oh. And it was talking about how this one wolf met another one and kind of just said, rolled over and said, look, you're better than me. And then he was accepted into their crew. Um, I'm not saying you have to like demean yourself to say someone's better than you, but my point is the dynamic shifts 
if you just come out and say, look, I can't do anything for you right now, but here's very specifically why I'd love to connect with you. Yes. Not, I want to pick your brain, not whatever, whatever, whatever. It's like, I want to learn X from you. My ideal situation is that we got on a call and I learned it from you. My next best is I could send a couple questions by email and I just love to hear your answers or something like that. That dynamic of acknowledging I can't do anything for you right now. Might be able to in the future, but right now I just want to learn from you. And number two, saying exactly what you want can sometimes get a response in a way that faking what you can do for them might not because people have pretty good spidey senses. Yeah. And there's just so many times, like I probably get two or three emails a day from people who are like, Hey, and I could help you in this way. And like, you know, that it's a vague pitch for signing up for their product or hiring their contract developers or, you know, whatever else it is. And it's like, Okay, that's one thing. But if you just come in and say, hey, I'm trying to learn this one thing. And if you show that you've already done a decent amount of research on it, I've already read your three articles on this topic, you know, and if you want to link to them to prove that, you know, like another thing that I would say is if you're asking for a call and someone is really busy, do it in a like, hey, here's my number. Call me sometime when you're out on a walk in the car, you know, or you find yourself with uh, 20 minutes free you know, you're waiting for the Uber, you know, or any of those things. And if you say, Hey, just shoot me a, you know, if you have some time this week, just shoot me a text so that I know to expect it. And then like, call me a minute later, that can work super well. Cause everybody's got this, these little bits of time to fill and they generally want to be helpful. Yep. Yeah. That, that's exactly, this is a different dynamic, but, um, kind of, I would call him almost like our account manager at new story charity, who we work with on, uh, mm-hmm. the company donations that go there needed a question answered for an audit and was just like, call me when you get a chance. And that was way more likely that I was going to get back to him than him trying to schedule time on my calendar, which I am like 10 foot pole, stay away from me. <laughs> I do not want anything else on my calendar. Um, but because I could just call him when I was free, it was way more approachable for me. But I want to go back to a thing you said, which is presumably if there's someone you want to connect with, it's because they have work that's public. They've done something, they've written something, made something, created a film, made a song. You have to, you must, as a base level expectations, expectation, respect the fact that they've already done the public work. Like if you email me and you ask me a question that I've already answered publicly, I'm, I'm either going to link you to it, number one, or I'm just going to ignore you. And that's not out of meanness. It just means that if you don't value my time, enough to go see if I've already provided an answer to this thing, or if I've already created something for people just like you, then you probably aren't going to value my time when we're actually in touch. And so I think there's something really important in that respect the public work they've done piece, Mm -hmm. where if you go do your homework first, and like, if you've read every blog post I've ever written, number one, it's going to show when we talk or when you email me. And number two, I think it creates also a different dynamic of kind of respect that, oh, you put a bunch of time into being thoughtful publicly. And so I went and consumed that before I assumed that you should spend any time with me about this other thing I want to know. Now, what that doesn't do for you is it doesn't give you the personal connection yet, but I think it's one of the most important steps towards a future personal connection. Yep. I love that. And I think that's where, you know, it comes in under this idea of respect their work. You know, if you're going to get on a call with someone and they've written a book, read the book first, you know, um, that's pretty straightforward. I'd love for you. Well, there's another idea of sometimes there are things that you can do for other people, right? Even when there's 
maybe they're someone super famous. I'd love for you to talk about when and how you had a long conversation with Adam Grant. <laughs> this is a good story, actually. Okay, so uh, let's see. I don't know, 2013 or 2014, I got this incredible chance to go to Davos, which is where the World Economic Forum has their annual meeting every winter. You've probably heard about it around January, February every year because every news publication publishes an article, something like all the rich people are going to Davos on their private planes to talk about the world's problems. Do they even know uh, anything about the world's problems? So they had invited kind of what they called it a youth contingent, basically, to come participate so that there were more diverse voices represented. So I got to go and I mean, what an incredible opportunity. Number one, that's probably for another day. But Adam Grant happened to be there and we all had this like uh, internal network where you could see all the other attendees and you could message people. So I said, well, what a chance. And I messaged Adam Grant and I said, hey, I can't do anything for you. I'm a huge fan of your work. I've read uh, Give and Take and some of your research. I would just love to connect with you. I'm here with the Global Shapers organization. He's like, oh yes, that's great. I'm sure I can make time. Let's get in in touch closer to the day. Message during the conference and it just didn't work out with scheduling. Well, Afterwards, I followed up. He said, follow up with me. I followed up with him and said, hey, I would still love to connect. And he said, well, here's my travel schedule for the year. If you'll be in any of these places, we can do that. Otherwise, maybe we can hop on a call at some point. It happened to be true that he was going to be going to an event in Georgia outside of Atlanta. And I said, okay, well, I live in Atlanta. I'm not, I don't live near there. But what if I picked you up from the airport and I took you there, which was about an hour drive And that way you have a ride and you don't have to figure any of that out. And he was like, that sounds amazing because why not? You get a free ride from a person who seems credible because they've already been to an event that you were at. And, you know, and so I, I bet I got twice as much time as I otherwise would have with Adam Grant because I said I can be useful here and it's just Mm -hmm. driving my car. But I had an hour with him in the car. We talked extensively about careers as an academic and being a writer, how he does research. And then the hard part was I couldn't write anything down, obviously. And so when I (laughs) dropped him off where he was going and turned back around, I pulled my phone out and just made a voice note. And I still have it. It came up in my iTunes the other day. And it was just like, here's all the things I learned. Oh my God, this was incredible. (laughs) But sometimes you can just be useful to someone. Mm -hmm. Um, giving them a ride or taking a walk with them or doing them a favor. It doesn't even have to be like, I can make your book a bestseller or whatever. Um, Sometimes it's just finding an opportunity for overlap between a legitimate thing someone needs and something you can do for them. Yeah, I love that because um, it also ties into the, let me call you from the car idea. Because even like famous, successful people have this time to kill. And one of them is if you fly into... Atlanta International Airport and you need to go anywhere near Atlanta, it's going to take an hour to get anywhere. And they're like, I'm going to sit in the backseat of an Uber. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit in the backseat of an Uber. I'm going to mess around on my phone until I get car sick. And then I'm going to put my phone away. And then I'm going to like turn on a podcast and go with that. Right. And I would far rather meet with someone who really wanted to connect with me over my work, help them with their business or that kind of thing. And so I might use that time to call somebody, but if it's like, look, if you're the one picking me up, I don't have to get in a random Uber. I don't have to deal with any of that. Like, I would love that. So the other thing that it did is it put you in a different category. It moved you from the, hey, Adam, I want to pick your brain, which you'd already gotten out of that category by the fact that you were at Davos, right? There was, that's where if I was asking for an intro to someone, 
right? That gets me out of the random fan category into where like a mutual friend is introducing mm-hmm. us. Um, so Davos did that for you. Um, but then it puts you into this category of like, I'm willing to put in work. I'll give an example two ways. One, I really wanted to meet with Ramit Sethi and just learn from him, get his advice. And so I said, I'm headed to New York. would love to meet up. And he said, okay. And, and we, we met cause I'd already demonstrated publicly that, you know, I put in the work, had a bit of a, a reputation. So that was one thing. It wasn't like, let's get on a call. He knew that I was coming to New York. And so that showed a level of effort there and dedication. Another example on the flip side um, is a founder named Mike who uh, started a company called ManyChat that I invested in. And he really wanted help and advice on something. And he just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually just going to come up to Boise. And can we spend half a day together? And I was like, nobody comes to Boise. Sure. Yeah. And he had demonstrated like expertise and you know, that he was worth investing in and all of that. But then he also said like, this means so much to me, not will you spend half a day on Zoom, but I'm going to get on that hour and a half, two hour long flight from San Francisco to Boise, show up and whatever time you have to work on stuff, like I would really appreciate it. And that's just along with driving to the Atlanta airport to pick up Adam Grant. Like those examples show a level of, of effort and interest where you're not like just firing off throwaway requests for calls. Instead, you're showing up in a big way. Yeah. And I love that example. This is one that I think both you and I use now. And look, you can say it's not fair. I don't have the resources for that and everything else. And I hear you. Like, it's not fair. Meeting people is not fair. It's an asymmetrical game. And so we're just telling you what's worked for us. And you've got to adjust to what resources you have available and everything else. But Oftentimes I'll find myself in a conversation, maybe it's just an email exchange or something like that, where it's like, well, if you ever find yourself in town, let me know. And it's a little bit of an empty thing people say, because they don't really expect you to show up anytime soon. Well, that's an incredible opening because now what you can say is, oh, that's great. Actually, I have a trip book. It doesn't matter when, just pick dates. These three days I'm going to be in town. Do you happen to be free on one of those days and make it like six weeks out? You know, so it's plausible that, you know, you did have the trip booked, but it's far enough away. They probably don't have plans yet. And it turns out you don't even have to book anything. You can just say you're going to be there and see if they'll meet with you. And what I love to do is if I have an anchor meeting like that, so I tell someone I'm going to be in town. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, but let's just say (laughs) we didn't have to stay home. I'm going to be in town the last weekend of June, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Are you around for a lunch or a walk or whatever? And they say, yeah, Thursday afternoon. Great. So I'm going to book a flight for Wednesday now. And then I'm going to stay until, I don't know, call it Saturday morning. And now I'm going to fill the rest of my time catching up with other people in my network, seeing if there's other people I've been wanting to meet. One anchor meeting, though, is enough of a reason to go to a city. You can get out, you can explore. It feels really good when it's like, man, I took control. I went somewhere because I had a priority. And it's a really... I find that if someone's going to be in town, I'm more likely to say yes than if I have to hop on another call in the middle of a day of calls that I already have to do. Um, Yeah. And the other thing that I would add to that is figure out which part of a city that they're in. The amount of times I run this where friends from Europe would be like, oh, I'm going to be in the States and I'd love to meet up. And I'm like, "Ah," you know, thousands of miles. But, and that's, that's a funny example, but so often I've have been on the mistake side of this of saying like, Oh, I'm going to be in New York. I'm going to be in LA, you know, and that kind of thing. And then you realize that you're staying, you know, I don't know, in Santa Monica and they live, you know, on the other side of downtown. And so just don't, 
make that mistake. You know, so like, I mean, Portland's a fairly easy city to get around. But even then, if I'm pitching to meet you for coffee, I should say, oh, what part of the city are you in? You're on the east side? Great. How about here? Oh, further south would be good? Further north? You know, and like pitch something where you can walk out of your house, walk four or five blocks, get some fresh air, and then and get out rather than making the mistake of being like pitching something where you're like, let's meet in, you know, the Upper East Side. And they're like, dude, I live in Brooklyn. Right. You know? Right. And it's just not, it's not the same. And that was exactly, that's another one of those tactics is going to people. When I lived in New York for a little while, um, you introduced me to Ramit. We had not met mm-hmm. yet. Uh, and I just went to him. He gets done working out at whatever time of the day. And I went down to where his gym is. He walked out from working out. We took a walk around the block and he ended up going home afterwards. We actually ended up taking a couple of walks around the block, but it was a walking meeting. So we both got a little exercise. I went to him. It was convenient. He could opt out at any time because he was relatively close to home. Basically go to the people. Uh, another way of looking at this is um, going to events where people are likely to be. Mm-hmm. And this might be speakers or it might be attendees or it might be the founders of an event, but making sure There's two ways to approach this, either knowing that a person you want to connect with is going to be at an event and therefore you're going as well, or knowing that people like you tend to go to events like this. And so you're likely to run into interesting people there. Um, That's another reason to go to an event. And I'd say, I don't know, two or three a year, you don't want to like bog down your entire calendar with going to events because you have actual work to do, but picking two or three a year that are likely to have people that you want to meet can be a really effective way to connect with. Uh, other people. Yep. And that's been so helpful. Every event that I try to, or that I go to, I try to get the attendee list in some way. Um, a lot of events now have apps. Um, and most of those apps will have the attendee list in there and you can scroll through it. So I even remember going to like the Saster, um, annual conference in San Francisco years ago, it's like 4,000 attendees, everyone's talking software and you scroll through, you know, 4,000 attendees. It's a crazy amount. That's actually usually what I do on the Uber that gets me carsick is scrolling through all of the attendees on the right. conference. But then you go through and you're like, oh, that person's going to be there. I didn't realize. And, and so you end up with this whole list of people. And then you reach out. I usually reach out on Twitter. I find that Twitter is the most accessible. And you say, hey, I'm going to be at this event. I'd love to meet up. Even when that doesn't work. I'll give you an example of a time that it didn't work. Uh, Michael Acton Smith is the CEO of Calm, a company that I think is incredible because they're at something like 150 million in annual revenue um, with, I don't know, I think they're up to like 60 or 70 employees. It's crazy. They've also grown through these big media partnerships and you know deals with actors and everything else. So it's like, I want to meet this guy. He's a keynote speaker here. Would love to meet him. I tweet at him. I email him. Don't get much of a result. Um, but then I'm walking through the lobby back from the gym. And then I see him coming the other way. He's pretty recognizable. He's got like... British rock star hair. And, uh, and so I'm like, Hey, Michael. And, you know, so I like do the awkward, like, Hey, and, and he pulls up and stops, you know, pulls his headphones out and introduce myself. But then I could say, Oh, I, you know, I had sent you that email and he's like, Oh yeah, Nathan. Right. Cause he had seen it. His assistant had just declined and, but he knew that had to happen. And so that took me from like random person pulling him aside to random person who would really like to talk to him who pulled him aside. And so we talked for five minutes. He's like, all right, well, I got to get my workout in, you know, and we went our separate ways, but those little things of like reaching out in advance. Yeah. Um, make a and little touch points like that can be the roots that a relationship grows from over time to use a completely mm-hmm. horrible metaphor there. But, um, 
Okay, last tip I have. When asking for intros, warm intros can be really effective because what you're doing is you're relying on a known person's trust, a a mutually known person. You're relying on their trust to connect you to someone you want to know. There are a couple of things to know about asking for intros. One, you really got to make sure that it's beneficial to everyone involved because if Mm -hmm. you're actually going to screw over two people, well, three people, if you mess this up, yourself being one of them, the person introducing you being the second and the person they've introduced you to being the third one. If you ask for an intro, that's not clear. There's nothing in it for the person on the other end of it. And that's kind of selfish. So don't do that. Don't put someone in the position to have to do that. Two is ask the person introducing you to do a double opt-in. Some people do this by default. Some people don't though. And it's so frustrating because when someone I know, like, and trust automatically introduces me, now I'm stuck because if I don't respond, I look like a jerk to both of you. And if I do, now I'm committed to something I don't know if I want to be committed to. Yep. But if you give me control, like if you reach out to Nathan and say, I want to know Barrett and Nathan says, Hey, do you mind if I intro you to this person? We do it to each other because we have business interests that are mutual, but just assume we didn't do that. If Nathan just intros you, that's going to annoy me. But if he says, Hey, this guy wants to know you or this, this woman wants to know you and here's why. And I say, okay, I can opt into that now, but I can also opt out. And now Nathan can kind of be a little bit of a buffer and say, oh, it's not a good time for him. He's got other priorities. But then when he does introduce me, I'm way more open to it because I've had a choice in the matter. I don't just have to respond at this point. So always ask for a double opt-in intro and always do a double opt-in intros when you're the person introducing. Yeah. One more thing that I want to add, and then I have a closing thought that I'll use for a thought of the day. (laughs) I apparently could talk about this forever. This is a, just a typical conversion problem. It's got copywriting involved, right? You could have a conversion rate of how many people you reach out to in one way or another that actually follow up and you have build a, a connection with. And like everything, then it needs a sales page. So if we think about it in this way, you want to, you, you reach out to me and say, hey, can we do a call? The first thing that I'm going to do, let's say that your email is compelling. And I'm like, okay. And it gets past the immediate archive. Um, the first thing I'm going to do is Google you. So when was the last time you opened an incognito window and Googled yourself and saw what, what came up? You don't need a crazy elaborate online presence, but you need something. You need to seem smart, put together, like you're the kind of person who, if they ask for advice, would actually implement it. And, uh, you know, you're, you're going to need that kind of thing. So even like a simple page, we mentioned our friend Daryl Vesterpelt before he's got not a super advanced website, but like, this is his site. If you go to investorfelt.com, right? It's just a simple, straightforward landing page, good photo of him and a little bit of the projects he's working on and a place you could sign up. You don't need a lot, but you need an online presence that says like, I'm, I update this. I'm working on interesting things, you know, and it should align with the ask that you're making, right? If you're trying to meet someone who um, works in you know, environmental research or something like that. And then that person Googles you and comes up and it's like, oh, you run a podcast about, you know, making an impact on the world, you know, this sort of thing. It's like, okay, there's an alignment there. But if there's something else where it's like, you run a, a marketing agency and you want to meet National Geographic photographers, they're like, I'm not seeing it. So they're going to move on. So the single biggest thing you can do to meet the people you want to meet is do great work and talk about it in public and build that online reputation. Yep. I love that. Okay. Boop, boop, doo, 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 boop, boop, doo, boop, 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 creator of the day. All right. I'm going to go first because I just have a creator, not a resource. 
but they are, I have two creators. They're a duo. And that is Evan and Caitlin. Um, they are woodworkers and, uh, they do all kinds of great projects on the YouTube channel. One thing that I love about what they do that every creator can take away from them is they always do short little clips of like some of the most, uh, some of the most fun moments from their show. So they've built, oh man, I didn't realize they'd gotten this big. I think that when I started following them, they were like 10,000 or 15,000 on YouTube. So it's crazy how much things can, can blow up, but, uh, I would definitely check them out. They're a great example of having a lot of fun as a creator. And then you can also learn a lot from how they chop up little things, how they do their thumbnails and how they connect with their audience. Love it. Um, my creators and resource of the day are tied, which I'm finding is a theme, which I think I'm okay with. Uh, so I'll go resource first and then talk about the founders. Uh, Conscious Company Magazine is a magazine I love. It's really great. I almost think of it as like a fast company or an ink, but really focused on uh, sustainable, um, inclusive, thoughtful companies that uh, if you think in that way are really interesting to support. So I've enjoyed it for getting exposed to new companies I might not have known about. Uh, one of our listeners, Emily, I know made a joke at some point that if you ever wanted a thing made from a local artisan, sustainable craftsperson, that you should just come to my house and tour around. But a lot of it is from reading things like this. So I love Conscious Company Magazine. Um, good media costs money. So pay them, subscribe to them if you like them, because that's the only way they stick around. And uh, the founders, Marion Keeley and uh, Megan French Dunbar, I just love their vision. I think that they've been really smart to go out into a space that I think is growing and will continue to grow and creating a media company around it. Um, so I really respect that. And you should look them up and learn more about them. Um, Conscious Company Magazine. Love it. Okay. Quick thought of the day to close this out. Um, first thing I would say is actually make a list of the people that you want to meet. I think that so many times we're like, oh man, I wish I had a better network or I wish I knew that person. And something that you'll find both Barrett and I say to people when we hear that is, where's your spreadsheet? And we're a little bit teasing because we make spreadsheets for everything, but we're really not because it's like, how do you expect it to come true unless there's a spreadsheet for it? And it should have this is, you know, name, city, interests, what you might be able to do for them, notes, you know, each of those things, conferences that they're speaking at coming up, all of those details. And then when you go through it and you're like, okay, I'm going to be in Denver. Who else, you know, go to your spreadsheet, your top 100 list. Who do you want to meet? Go to your spreadsheet. Oh, four of them are in Denver. Okay. Then you can work from there. And if you're just saying, I want to grow my network, I want to meet more people. First of all, don't ever say, I want to grow your network. I, I feel embarrassed just having said that. That's like... Nobody wants to network. Um, but if you say, I want to meet these incredible people that I'm a fan of and I respect their work, then actually list those people out, know who you want to meet and go after it deliberately. Love it. Thanks for listening today, y'all. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.